Have you noticed that these summer blockbuster movies, they have about all the same element that is within them? Nearly every single blockbuster movie that Hollywood puts out has about the same elements within them. If you want a hugely successful movie, Hollywood has found out that you can change the actors, you can slightly change the plot line, but you never change this one ingredient if you want to make a killing at the box office. Here's the framework for a blockbuster movie. You've gained something, you lose that something, and then all of those in the movie go to gain what you had lost back. In uh, 2014, 25 movies that were smash hits had that framework to them. He had the girl, he lost the girl, and then he gained the girl back. He had the treasure, he lost the treasure, and then they gained the treasure back. According to Script Labs, which is a online site that looks into the details of Hollywood scripts, movies with redemptive qualities appeal to the largest audience. So Hollywood has found out that if you want a summer blockbuster, it better have a redemptive quality to it. Isn't it interesting that what Hollywood has found out in their script writing appeals to mass audience is something that really has been scripted or written on our hearts from the very beginning. I mean, I think everybody in this room wants their wrongs to be made right. You want a relationship that has been lost to be regained. You want some kind of trouble in your life be made right. You had something, you lost something, and now you're working to regain that something back. I think this is an ingrained desire of our heart, this idea that we have a burden to be bettered. I think it's an unexplainable desire that we all share within this room, the desire that everything will work out to our benefit in the end, that we want things to be made right in the end for us. And this is the script that God has written from the very beginning. The script, here's how it's laid out, the script that God has originally written that we can find in his word called the Bible. We had something. We lost something. And God worked to get that something back for us. And the writer of Hebrews explains this to a primary Jewish audience, and he wants this audience to know, and he wants all of you to know, that you have lost something. You want it back, but you can't get it back on your own. Only God can get it back. And God worked on getting it back for us. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2? And as we're going to look through this together, uh, we're going to find out that we once had an unhindered relationship with God. And then because of the sin that we said yes to, it had ruined that unhindered perfect relationship. And we lost it. And God has worked through the blood of Jesus Christ so that we could have a right relationship with God again. Hebrews chapter 2, let's start in verse 5, and there's four things that I want to point out within it, and then throughout this reading, I'm going to periodically stop and try to explain some things, because Hebrews is often known as one of the hardest books in the New Testament to understand. That's probably why you don't hear too many sermon series on it. We're trying to make some sense out of it, and so it might be a wild ride for us this summer as we, as we march our way through it. Verse 5, Hebrews 2. 
It's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. See, this was a Jewish audience, and they had believed that angels, since they're spiritual beings, are higher than humans because they are clothed in spiritualness and were clothed in flesh. And they had this thought that since the angels are so powerful, when the new world comes, when we're caught up in this new heaven and new earth, that the angels are going to dominate and rule over it. And that's what he's talking about here. So he says, verse 6, but there is a place where someone has testified. Now, he knows where this is at. They all know where this has been written, okay? He's, he's preaching a sermon. And Emory goes, yeah, we know that scripture. He goes back to Psalm 8, an Old Testament book. David writes the psalm, and here's what it says. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. You, do you guys know that you're, you are God's crown achievement in all of this? In all of creation, if you look through the book of Genesis and you find out the creation story, you are God's crown jewel. We are God's crown jewel. You're important to God. He loves you dearly. You see, you're a treasure. (laughs) That treasure gets lost, and he works to regain it. Continue on in verse 8. And he put everything under their feet. That's a quote about us. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is subject to them. You get that? In putting everything under them, so we had dominion, control over this thing, God left nothing that is subject to them. Everything was in our control. Yet at present, oh boy, at present, we don't see everything subject to them. God's put us in control of this place, of this world. He's put us in control of ourselves. And guess what? We've ruined it. We've ruined the controls. Actually, we've handed the controls off to someone else. In verse 9 it says, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. See, he's telling those who are, who are Jewish, God became one of us, and he subjected himself to become humiliated in the flesh. And since Jesus, God, was a man, God thinks pretty highly of men. Actually, he thinks higher of men than he does of angels. He says, now crowned with glory and honor. Jesus is crowned with glory and honor. He didn't stay in that humble form of humanity very long. Why? Because it tells us he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he, he, God, that's a reference to God, he, God, might taste death for, what's the word there, the last word, for everyone. Jesus suffered, God suffered, God died so that we might all have eternal life and that we might have hope beyond the grave. Now, here's the point. Here's the point. God became like one of us. And I want to study this. God became like one of us so that we could, we could gain something, something that was lost originally. Here's the first thing. God became like us so that we could regain our lost dominion. You're going, oh man, what does that even mean? That's just a big way to say that we had control of things on this earth. We've lost control of things on this earth. And God came to be like us so that we could regain control of things on earth. We've lost control of it. God came in and said, I'm going to regain control. It's back into my hands. Here's God's original plan. Do you remember God's original plan? That everything was under our dominion. That we had complete charge of everything. That's why the psalmist is quoted here in chapter 8 of Psalm. He wants the the reader to remember. Remember, God put everything under your feet. You had control of this place at one time. but, But when you said yes to sin, you handed the keys to this world over. 
to Satan. And now he's driving this thing. He has control over it. You had willingly, when you said yes to sin, handed the keys over to someone who doesn't know how to drive. And he's saying, what are you to do now? You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it tells us that, that Satan is the God of this world. And since we've handed the keys, he's driving this place, you know where? Straight to hell is where he's driving this place. And if you're really interested to hear more about this, I'm not going to get deeper in it. You can go back home today, this week, and you can read Romans chapter 8, and you can understand how the world is groaning because Satan has the keys to this place. And you'll find out that as Satan has the keys, the world is in decay and it is decrepit. The Bible says it's in bondage. Friends, look, the earth's not real concerned about the water bottles, plastic water bottles that you're mishandling. It's not real concerned about the pollution that comes out of your automobile. The world, the Bible says, is really concerned about the pollution we're creating because of our sin. And it is groaning and it is hurting. And it is saying, God, what are we going to do here? Because these people mess this thing up. I'm messed up. Have you realized that our sin, one little sin, has ruined the whole cosmos? It has ruined everything that God has created. Not just your life, not just your family, not just your personal things. It has spread out beyond the Milky Way. And the earth, it says, is groaning. It's hurting. The book of Revelation fills us in a little bit why it's hurting so bad because it knows what it's about to come through. The Bible says it's going to be refined by fire, that this world is going to be burnt up and refined to be made right and to destroy all the wrong. But right now, hey, we gave Satan the keys and he is cruising this thing off the cliff and he wants everybody possibly on this little marble globe, this little sphere to go with him where he is bound to go. And that is a dangerous place called hell. But wait, but wait. The plot thickens. God becomes man to straighten this thing out. And when God became man, Jesus comes in flesh, born under the Virgin Mary, and begins to walk this ministry. You remember his ministry? He talked to us. He preached to us. He taught us many things. He taught us that he had control over this world. He had control of this world. But he demonstrated, didn't he, that he had control of the world. Jesus runs into a man who's blind, and he's begging. Satan has control. Jesus heals the blind man, and he has sight, and he no longer begs, and that was a demonstration of how it was originally meant to be. Jesus is saying, Satan, you no longer have control. I'm in charge now. And what he was doing was saying to us, I have regained control for you. So the sick are healed. And what he's doing, he's telling Satan, Satan, you don't have control over this place. You want sickness in this world, but I'm healing the sicknesses. He is saying, you have the authority over Satan now. You remember the diseased were cured because Satan wants disease. And God says, no, Jesus proved through his miracles, I have dominion over Satan. I have control over Satan. I'm regaining this back for my, for my people. And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, you see all these miracles, guys? You can do even, you remember the words? Greater things than this 
And he looks to us and he says, you see the great things I've done to prove to Satan that I'm in charge and I've regained dominion back for these folks? They can do even greater things. Now, why haven't we done greater things? Maybe it's because we just don't believe yet that we truly have dominion. And isn't that what the scriptures say right there? It says, look, everything's been given to them. This is in verse 8. Yet at present, we don't see everything subject to them. They don't even know they're in control. We've been out of control so long. We've been out of control so long. We don't even know we're in control right now. That God given us the keys back. Because some of us are still handing the keys back to Satan repetitively, habitually, continually. Like, I know I'm reading, oh, Satan, have control again. So when God became like us, he came back to restore the control that we had lost when we said yes to sin. Now, here's the other thing he did. When God became like us, uh, he did so so that we might be saved. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2. Let's look at, at verse 10 together. Hebrews 2 and 10 and following. And I, I want to make some breaks within the scriptures and to explain it. Hebrews 2.10, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. That's us. Why? Why does he have to bring us to glory? What's the plot line? We had glory, right? We, what? Say it with me. We lost glory. And what did he do when he became human? He regained glory to us. It was fitting, meaning it was in perfect character of God, for whom through everything exists. I love how he just throws that in there. By the way, you know God's holding this marble together, right? Uh, that he should make a pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Have you ever heard Jesus called the pioneer of salvation? It's not a term we apply to him, but it's a great term. Both the one who makes people holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, that's those who have accepted Jesus cleansing from his blood, are of the same family. So if you've accepted Christ, you're family of God. Catch that. You are a family, you're a part of Christ's family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed of you, regardless of what your checkered past might be, regardless of horrific you might have turned things around to be. Jesus says, I've welcomed you because you've accepted me. You've recognized, you've recognized that I've come to save you, that I've put on your clothes, flesh, and I became like you so I could save you. Now, if you're wondering what you need to be saved from, it's this rocket ride that Satan has us on right now. There's a one-way trip to hell. That's what he is saving us from. He's saving us from what is inevitable if you do not escape the, the flames of hell through Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to save us from. You know, at one point, you didn't have a need for salvation. You had, you were, you had everything right. We had everything right. And then we said yes to sin, and we got it all wrong. We handed the keys off. And God said, wait a minute. I've got to regain this for them. And I've got to bring salvation to my crown jewel. They've lost control. And since Adam hurt the relationship with God, man's been trying to restore this relationship from the, from the very beginning nearly. And one of the great hurts and pains that Satan has brought to this world is the hurt of death. Now, friends, I'm not talking about the death of the removal of the spirit from the body. I'm talking about the death that is ultimate when you don't say yes to God, and that is the soul that is removed from God in a dangerous place called hell. Listen to the scriptures of Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, 
This is a separation of soul, spirit from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He became like us so that we might be saved. And I think most of us are trying to work our way to God. And what Hebrews is saying is you can't. Because that's what they tried to do years and years ago in the Old Testament. You see that God had allowed what was called a sacrificial system to be entered in. And what took place under the sacrificial system was people were trying to cover up their sins. They knew they couldn't sacrifice themselves. They weren't perfect. So God said, I'll allow you to find a perfect animal and sacrifice it so that you won't go and sacrifice yourself and kill yourself. And what that did was it it allowed God's justice to reign supreme. God looked at that for a moment and said, you know what, that will work out for a time, but all we're doing is sweeping things under the rug here. And that's what they were doing in the Old Testament with sacrifice, just sweeping the sin under the rug. And God was kind of saying, okay, that's justified because one death for another death, uh, shedding of blood, so there wouldn't have to be the shedding of blood, but it wasn't ultimately going to work because the sacrifice has to be made like unto the thing that it's saving. Here's what I mean. A goat is not a replacement for a human. A sheep is not a replacement for a human. Human had to be a replacement for human. It had to be perfect is what God was prescribing. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, but God set you free when he sent whom? Sent his own son to be like us sinners and to be a sacrifice for our sin. God used, what did he use? Christ's body to condemn sin. Remember, John the Baptist looked at Jesus when he came to be baptized and he said, behold, the the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the great sacrifice that has arrived, that God has sent to us. Why was he so excited? Because John knew he, he couldn't do it himself. Jesus had to make a way. Why? Because there wasn't a way. This is why he is the pioneer of salvation. He blazed the trail to God when we had no trail that could be made. He is able to say, I got a way off of this, this marble planet that is bound for hell because Satan has control of him. You keep giving him the keys, and I, I know the way out of this thing. If you just follow me, I'm the pioneer who's done it. And so he decided to jump into hum- humanity and get into our mess. Years ago, our children's ministry went swimming, and I was asked to, to be a chaperone at that event. It was one of those spring days, it was early spring, it was cold, it was gray, it was, it was nearly raining, but the kids were loving it because it was the first day into the pool, you know? So they're all in the pool, but every adult is in pants and a sweatshirt, and they've got their hands tucked in, tight into their pockets, trying to huddle to keep warm, and, and there was a little girl that had just learned how to swim, either that spring and, and she was just so excited to get in the pool, and she decided to, to climb her way up some steps to a big um, tube slide. And there she was marching her way up, and she was shaking out of nervousness and shaking because it was cold, and she was just kind of seeking people's approval as she made each step. And she gets to the top, and she, she's shivering, and she shakes, and she waves, and then we didn't see her anymore. She went down the tube, and then she plunges in the water, but she's not coming back up. And she finally bobs up, and she's gasping for air. And I'm looking around like, I, th- I think uh, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I, I, I think she's drowning. And there's other adults that are standing there. Now, here's the first thing that came to mind. Somebody ought to jump in and save her. But let me tell you, let me, <laughs> that's the way it works. Isn't it? But let me tell you, this is, I'm almost humiliated to, to, to tell you this story. 
I am st- I'm there in my jeans and in a coat that has my cell phone in it, my wallet in it, and I, I've, I've got a button-down shirt, and I had a pair of boots on that are ridiculously expensive, so expensive they don't fit my budget. Someone had to buy them for me on a special holiday, like a birthday or Christmas. And I'm looking around thinking, I don't want to go in. I'll ruin my boots. That, so I'm looking around at everybody's feet, and I'm thinking, you got Nikes. Those will probably dry out. If I jump in, my boots are going to be completely ruined. You probably should take care of it. But no one's jumping in. And so reluctantly, this is the embarrassing part, I decide to save my cell phone, and I peel off my coat, and I say, here, take it. And I reluctantly jump in the water, and I rescue a little girl and bring her poolside. Well, hold your applause, would you? <laughs> For goodness sake. I was the hero of the bus on the way home. (laughs) She couldn't have saved herself. So someone had to jump in and save her. And what I want you to know is this. That water she was having fun in one minute was about to kill her the next minute. Sound like this earth a little bit? So someone had to intervene into her problem. Grab her. Get her to the side. Pull her out. She couldn't do it for herself. Guys, that's kind of what Jesus has done for us. We couldn't save ourselves. This world's dying. It's decrepit. God jumped in. He saved us. He intervened. He got in the middle of our wake and our mess. Some of us, he had a club upside the head and say, don't you know you're drowning? He pulled us to the side and he got us out. He's the pioneer of salvation so that we might be saved. And friends, he didn't care how costly it was. He willingly went. Notice the scriptures when he talks about his soon-to-be death on a cross. He says, no one can take my life from me. I lay it down voluntarily. I sacrifice myself voluntarily, he says. So God became like us so that we might be saved. That's a good one right there. Here's another reason why God became like us. He became like us to disarm Satan and to deliver us from death. That's a pretty big one. Let's go to Hebrews 2. Let's look at verse 14 and following. Since children have flesh and blood, that's us. We're God's children. We're mortal. That's what he's saying. We're mortal. He too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is, that is who? The devil. Saying The devil has the power over death. But Jesus Christ came and he disarmed it. And he embraced did it by embracing death. That's how he did it. Because of Jesus' death, I want you to know you can no, you no longer have to fear what's going to happen to you after your body wears out and you breathe your last. You can have hope beyond the grave. You see, at one time we had, we had fear because we had no idea if God was going to accept us. Was that animal sacrifice okay? I hope it was. I hope God accepts this. And now we know the perfect sacrifice has come. And friends, I want you to know that the, the death that we're talking about here is not a physical death. That's not the, the, I understand if you're afraid of physical death, like what is it, how there might be pain involved. I understand that. But he's saying he took away the fear of death, which means you don't have to fear that you might be separated from God and be sent by God's judgment, his perfect judgment, to a place called hell for how you lived here on earth. But let me just tell you something. You want to know the quickest way? You want to know the quickest way to be separated from God? is just by riding him off, acting like you're still in control, acting like you can gain your own salvation, just go ahead and just keep thinking everything will work out fine for me. 
Just, you just keep thinking that. Satan, you've handed the keys off to him. He's driving this thing, and I guess you'll just sit in the back seat and enjoy the music on the ride. But the music's going to die one day. So Jesus has given us the opportunity to accept him. We've lost it. We've lost this relationship. Jesus came. He gained it back for us. Satan is the author of sin. You need to know that. Jesus is the author of our salvation. Uh, Satan started sin. Jesus started salvation. Satan brought death. Jesus bought life. Satan instituted fear. Jesus established victory. Here's what God did. He canceled. He canceled the debt that we had to pay to God because of our sin. Colossians 2.14 says, which was a list of rules that we failed to follow. Like, we haven't got it all right here. We We have missed the mark. We haven't got all the rules correct. And so he took our record of wrongs, all the things we've done wrong, like there's a scoreboard. There's a scoreboard of the things we've done right and the things we've done wrong. And he said, oh, this is Matt's wrong page. It's like a book, probably. He's like, to the f- I'm done with it. He's accepted me. It's covered. It's done. I'm throwing the book out. He's forgiven. He's only done right. Why? Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. He's disarmed Satan, and he has delivered us from death, and we've been saved by his grace. And that old stuff has been nailed to the cross. And if, and if you want... If you want Christ, here's what you do. You believe in him that he saves you. That's what you do. You start with belief. You say, there is is a, a person named Jesus, and he is divine. He's God's son. And what he did, I believe he did. He died for our sins, and he rose again. I believe in that. And then you you, you know what you do next? You couple that with baptism. You say, I'm going to die to myself in a watery grave and I'm going to let God start taking over. It's a benchmark in our life that says, that was the day I died and let God start in me. You repent of your sins. You don't return to those sins. You walk away. You start your walk away from those sins. And you say, I'm going to follow after Jesus this moment. You're not going to get everything right. That's why we rely on God's forgiveness. And you let that Holy Spirit invade your life which seems like in the Bible is coupled with baptism time and time again. You, you let that Holy Spirit infiltrate your life because he helps you and he corrects you of the wrongs and he steers you to make the right choice. That's what he does. He tells you, no, you're handing the keys off to Satan here. Don't hand the keys off to Satan anymore. Keep him in your pocket. And God came to disarm Satan. He came to deliver us from death. Here's also what he did. Here's the last thing. God, God became like us so he could sympathize with us. This is great. Look, look back at Hebrews. Let's finish up here with Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them. You catch this? Jesus had to be made like us. He, he had to be. It couldn't be done any other way. Fully human. I love this term. Fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful, you can even interject the word compassionate there, and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement. That is a big scary word, but here's what it means. To have a complete repayment so that your wrongs could be made right. He made a complete payment so that the wrongs in our life that we've committed, the wrongs we've committed, can be made right in God's sight. 
for the sins of the people. Verse 18, Hebrews 2, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able, this is great, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So God became like us to sympathize with us. And here's how he breaks it down. He became like us. He was fully human in every way. Look, Jesus stubbed his toe and it hurt him. And when he stubbed his toe, he was like us. He wanted to let some explicit words come out of his mouth. Jesus laughed at jokes that were funny. Jesus had bad hair days, even though no picture represents that. He had bad hair days. Second, he became like us so that he might become, look at this, more merciful. As if he wasn't merciful enough, he wanted to identify with us. He wanted to walk a mile or two in our shoes so they can understand it and have compassion on you. You know, during the time of Jesus' ministry, how many times does it say in the gospel message that as he was going to a place, he looked at the crowds and the Bible explained he had compassion for them. So he stopped and he tried his best to, to heal as many who would be willing to be healed by faith. And what I love about that is compassion is when our heart breaks for people's plight. And God's heart was breaking for them. And God's heart breaks for you and your plight. God's heart breaks for your suffering. God's heart is breaking for you as you go through the hurts and trials of this life because we said yes to sin at some point. Third, God became like us so that, check this out, he might make an atonement for the sins of the people. What's he doing? He's making a complete payment so that our wrongs will be made right. Who did he make the payment to? He wasn't paying up to Satan. He paid himself back. He paid himself back. God paid himself back. You know why he did that? Because, me and you can't pay him back. We don't have the resources. It is unaf- unaffordable. The price of salvation. That's why scripture tells us God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Fourth, God became like us so that he could understand us better and help us. What does the scripture say? He, he is able to help. You know, a while back, I met with a man who we tried to intervene with. He was drinking himself to death uh, with alcohol And when I walked into his door, he immediately recognized me as the pastor. And he yelled at me to get out of his home. And he told me that there was no way I could help him because I wasn't an addict. And I'd never gone through what he had gone through. He said, only bring me somebody that has gone through this and has found sobriety. So we did. The guy cleaned up his act. The guy restored his life to Jesus Christ. But see, I wasn't the one to help him because... From his perspective, I couldn't help because I haven't been there before. And the Bible says Christ has been there. He's been tempted in every single way, the scriptures say. Yet he is without sin. He has remained sober in a sense. Let me tell you about this world. This world's going to have all sorts of troubles and problems without any solutions. It's going to come up with some ideas of how to bring a solution to your problem. But it's not going to be the best solution. And God's got the solution. God's got the problem, or God's got the solution to your pain. God's got the solution to your problem. God's got the healing for your hurt. He's got peace in your anxiety and comfort. You know how I know that? Because he became one of us. 
And as the scriptures teach us, just like he told us, in this world he knows you're going to have trouble. Why? He experienced trouble. <laughs> so much trouble, it got, him, it got him crucified on a cross. He says, but take heart. What, have I, what does he say to I have what? I have overcome this world. Satan wants you destroyed. I brought, I brought you victory. That's what I've come. God became like us, friends, not for his benefit. He became like us for our benefit. Why? You are his crown jewel. You were lost. And he says, we've got to regain this. And you've been redeemed. You've been bought back by God. And the scripture that just encapsulates all this is from Hebrews 4, verse 15. Here's what it says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So let's approach God's throne of grace. Here's what all this comes to. Are you ready? So let's approach God's, God's throne of grace. Let's, let's approach God with, with confidence so that you may receive mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, God became like us so that we can confidently go to Him and we can have the relationship that He has always wanted long before we said yes to sin and no to Him.